Blog Talk Radio. Carol the Coach. Sex, love, and relationships. We talk about it here. Carol the Coach. Compassion with contemporary relevance. I am a psychotherapist. I can be your personal life coach and I can help you with your issues. There are no problems too small or too big. You can talk about anything. Speaker, columnist, radio TV host, and commentator. Carol the Coach brings messages of wellness and empowerment within reach of everyday people every day. Almost five years ago, I lost my soulmate in an accident. He was killed in a plane crash. Life just for me has seemed to stop. There are groups all over the city. I mean, I teach one. It is a specific way to start thinking so that you shift how you see the world, which then shifts your energy, and then you feel better and you actually see things differently. Carol the Coach, always available to at carolthecoach.com. Now I've got Russell on the line. I'm 47 years old. I'm a truck driver. I am married. I have a wife in San Francisco. Okay. I haven't been home in six months. My thing is, I, I don't know if I have a sex addiction or what the problem is. Why do I want what I can't have? And as soon as I can have it, I don't want it anymore. You're right on target when you say, I don't know if I have a sexual addiction. Well, guess what? Yes, you do. And you know what? That's my specialty, Russell. So you're at the right place. Continue. I meet women online and, and I'm in a different part of the country. I, I travel all 48 states, so I love sex. I hear self-esteem issues. You never felt good enough and you didn't feel like you were getting what you should have then. And you're re- Reenacting that now. Do you want to change that about yourself? Yeah, that's the million dollar question, isn't it? I mean, when you think about all the ways that sex addiction affects the world, you know, how does it affect the person individually? How does it affect the community? How does it affect the family, the partnership, uh, extended family, you got to say to yourself, what is it that I need to change and why? And unfortunately, what happens is that people don't change until something dramatically different occurs. Um, you know, a discovery occurs, uh, an arrest occurs. A humiliation occurs and exposure occurs and so I just really believe that as devastating as those things can be those are wake-up calls to change your life and be the man or woman that you'd like to be now today we really have uh, an amazing interview I'm going to be interviewing Scott Peacock, and he wants to talk about how betrayal trauma is experienced between men and women. Scott will discuss what he's observed about men who experience betrayal trauma in his private therapy practice. He also experienced betrayal trauma himself. Helping the betrayed is one of the many ways he feels his purpose in life. And, you know, he's a master's level counselor, and he really, really has a lot of coaching principles that he is guided by. 
Now, anybody who experiences betrayal trauma finds themselves in a population underserved by helping professionals. So get the best help. I'm going to be talking to you about some really good help coming up. Um, You've heard me talk about Heidi Kinsella, who has her intensives. We've got a couple's intensive coming up. Uh, I'm so excited about this. In March, we have a couple's intensive that I'm actually going to be helping Heidi with. And I so badly wanted to be a part of this to show her how to do, help them heal, how to, how to continue the work of getting our partners and addicts over to part post-traumatic growth. And that starts on Thursday, March 23rd, and it runs until March 27th. It's out in Washington. It is face-to-face. And if you're interested, contact me at carol at carolthecoach.com, and I will get you all the information. It is to help your coupleship heal, to show you the three phases of partner betrayal, and, again, to begin to work on some exercises, no matter what stage your relationship is, to begin to do the important work uh, in all three phases and get a taste of what that's like so that you don't stay stuck in a phase. I don't want you staying stuck in safety and stabilization. I don't want you fearing to do the grief, mourning, and anger work. And I definitely want you to practice some post-traumatic growth as a couple and each one of you individually, right? And so, Think about that. Think about that workshop. Give me a um, email at carol at carolthecoach.com, and I will be happy to send you all of Heidi's information. If you can't make it this time, at least take a look at her incredible retreat center. She does partner workshops and intensives. She does couples, and she even has this boot camp for sex addicts. I mean, this woman has made it her life. The other exciting thing that we have going on is um, an IRCAM training. If you're a counselor or a coach and you want to learn how to make a difference in the lives of couples, then you got to come hang out with me. And that is in April, April 21st through the 24th. And it's a four-day training. Uh, I, you know what? I've been saying the wrong date the whole time. I take that back. April 18th through the 21st. And I'm going to be teaching counselors and coaches how to make a difference in the lives of partners and addicts, how to create a safe environment for couples. I'm so excited about this. I've trained over 100 people. I'm now going to be providing this for, for ITAP, the organization that certifies Exotic therapist, and if you would like your counselor or coach training, speak up. Say, I want IRCA, the Early Recovery Couples Empathy Model, to get me through or to get us through safety and stabilization, grief, mourning, anger, and loss work, and then over there to post-traumatic growth. This four-day training changes the lives of professionals and clients both. 
So again, that is April 18th to the 21st. Go to my website, www.sexhelpwithcarolthecoach. And then if you want a really affordable conference, I'm going to be doing a keynote for Restoring Hearts. And um, this is going to be an amazing experience. Actually, is going to be on in March, and it's going to be while I'm in Washington. That's why I get to do this, and it's on March 25th. Go to RestoringHearts.com and, you know, make it your own, would you? We really want you to get your needs met, get inspired, have the faith, work diligently on yourself. Whether you're a male partner, a female partner, whether you're a couple, whether you're divorced, whether you're separated, it matters not. We just want you to get healthy. And I can't say enough about having to do the right intervention to get you there. And so I am so happy that we are going to be talking with Scott Peacock. Scott, welcome to Sex Help with Carol the Coach. Thanks for having me, Carol. Glad to talk to you. Yeah, well, I, you know, you and I have talked before, and I know that you are a real inspiration um, in our community and especially to male partners. And so I wanted you to come on the show because I knew that you had a lot of information to offer and you could be so valuable to male partners who – Let's face it, Scott, they don't have enough resources available, and and you're one of the resources out there trying to get to them. So if you would, tell us a little bit about why you ventured in to this niche, if you will, and why you work with Partner Betrayal. Right. Well, I originally got into this work um, because I wanted to help the male sex addicts I work with understand what their female partners are going through. And then mm. I hearken back to my own story in the mid-1990s. I married my college sweetheart right out of college, and uh, three years later after we married, there was a betrayal on her part. And, um, you know, I, I'm a big proponent of uh, Viktor Frankl's philosophy outlined in Man's Search for Meaning, which is suffering is no longer suffering when you can find some kind of meaning in it. So Mm -hmm. as I was going through transition into a second career to become a therapist at age 40, I said, well, what, what do I know? What, 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 what have I experienced? Because I saw a lot of people out there working on things that, um, you know, there's what they had to offer was very academic. Uh, They'd been to through certification process to seminars or even, you know, well-meaning but misguided friends, family, clergy. And I said, you know what, Um, I've always tried to run towards the fire. Uh, I've come from a family of helping professionals. Um, My dad was a nurse anesthetist. My uh, mom was a nurse. And uh, my sister-in-law is about to become, she's a nurse. Now she's about to become a therapist in May. So, you know, it's one of those more difficult, challenging things that that gets overlooked. And I think that, you know, uh, people have been betrayed in relationships. 
um, that, that kind of work. There's not enough of us that are certified or have the knowledge to help properly. And then men are a subset of that. They're the underserved of the underserved, which usually, which is kind of standing things on its head uh, with the way things have gone in society in general over the years. Uh, so in that sense, you know, it, it's something I experienced. I've, I've transcended and I, I just really feel a lot of healing and, and, and I feel God's pleasure when I help people that have been through something I've been through. Oh, I love that. And, you know, you really do have a heart for male partners. You know what they've been through. And I know you, like I, don't think that there are enough resources available. Can you tell me, uh, do you have any idea um, if there's been an increase in the number of men seeking help? We know there's an increase in female sex addicts, but is there an increase in men seeking help for partner betrayal? Right. I think these are the two kind of hidden things is when you say sex addict, you immediately think of a male typically. Um, and then, so women sex addicts, uh, they, they, their disease doesn't happen in isolation, so there's people affected by it. And uh, I am seeing an increase of males uh, coming through my door uh, looking for help. And what can we attribute that to? Um, I would like to think it's part of the, uh, the, the movement with destigmatizing mental health. Uh, I can't turn on the television without seeing some ad for better help or, um, you know, any of the similar companies that have therapists available. And I, yeah, it, it's, I, I'm seeing they're starting to realize that, you know, in the past we would, we would suffer in silence. We would, um, you know, there's a lot of shame surrounding this. Um, you mean she betrayed you? <laughs> and yes, uh, there are more willingness. And I think that's because I see a rise in men in general seeking help with mental health. But um, yeah, for sure. And what, what just really bothers me and kind of frightens me is just, I mean, we, we don't have that many books. Uh, I found two. Uh, I know at one point, Carol, you discussed writing Help Him Heal. Um, you know, maybe that'll mm-hmm. happen someday. Maybe it won't. I hope it does. Uh, but uh, in scholarly academic articles, uh, you know, research is really, really thin. And so, uh, you know, if somebody were to go work on a doctorate, that would be a really good, uh, well, it would be a rich and open field to, uh, to do your research in. So, yeah, it's definitely, it's on the increase. Quite a dissertation for somebody to take that on, and you know what? I'm sure that will happen. Uh, You and I know Gary Owens, and he has written about being a male partner, and you better believe I'm going to have helped him heal um, edited. I've got a man in uh, New Zealand who's already said, I'm going to put that together, and we're talking to... um, Darren Ford at Sano Press, who runs that, and he is very excited for that. He said, well, if you do that, then you also have to write, um, you have to write a, a model for gay men 
who run into this problem. And, you know, Scott, you know that this can just blossom all over the place. So I was working within the heterosexual population. I'm committed to doing uh, female sex addicts and male partners and looking at the differences uh, between that. I I thought maybe we could talk about that a little bit. Uh, Other than lack of resources, what cultural differences do you see in male sex addicts versus female sex addicts and male partners versus female partners? Yes, and very quickly, I have worked with a couple of cases with uh, gay men and betrayal trauma. So um, that's not outside the scope of, uh, of men who've experienced trauma. Um, so cultural differences. Um, you know, one thing I've, I've seen that's really interesting is um, – you know, when a, a female is betrayed, and this is, this is anecdotal and observation, um, there are people that rally around her, like in a faith community, um, with, if the man, man's been betrayed, there's, I feel like, or what I've seen is it's more likely that she's treated like the proverbial Mary Magdalene, um, you know, Let's let's proverbially stone her, um, you know, cast out. Um, with the males then being betrayed, it, it's there's just such a lack of knowledge there. What they need, and so I, I think that's a problem on both sides of the equation. Is that um, I, I think the women get it harder on them. Um, with males, I think there's sometimes some path to redemption. And a lot of the people I've, couples I've worked with, um, the the wife is willing to forgive. Uh, I see that men many times uh, are, are ready to just, uh, well, I wipe my hands of you. We're done. The ego cannot withstand that. Um, there's more empathy and grace when, when the female has been, and I, I know there, this is, not every case, but maybe it's just the people coming to my office, but I do see them willing to go through, you know, and it's a very, very big mountain to climb to get to where, um, you know, there can be redemption from this. Um, I, I see men many times are quicker to, it's like at the extremes, they're quick to throw away or they're desperate to um, have some sort of reconciliation work done to try to save the marriage. Uh, middle ground, I don't see as much with the men who've been betrayed. How about, what do you think? Um, my experience, and this is anecdotal too, but with almost every man that I've met, um, they don't talk about the need for safety as women do. Mm. They talk about wanting to jump into that second phase that you and I know Scott so well, and that is there are three phases to partner betrayal. The first is that the the, uh, partner feels safe and gets stabilized and get back on his or her feet. The second phase is that anger, grief, mourning, and loss phase. And so many men that I have worked with are really stuck in the anger. Um, And so they stay stuck in the anger because anger is an easier emotion to have been socialized with 
And then the other thing they do is that they really want to protect the addict, the female addict. Um, I think that's inherent in them to want to protect. And then I also think that they don't necessarily want to expose either one of themselves to the cultural mores, values, and maybe even judgment that would occur if he talked about partner betrayal or if he outed his sex addict who's a female. And so those are really the major differences I've seen. And, of course, the anger and bitterness that there are not enough resources. I mean, when men find post-traumatic growth as a male partner, um, they are very defined in what they need and want from the partner. They're usually together. They've got incredible boundaries. And they keep their guard in a place that is not, it's not up above their head, but it's also not gone. That guard is probably knee high so that they can shift it if they need to, if she can't get or maintain the help to deal with sex addiction. Because you and I both know in working with sex addicts that, wow, if you don't do the work of recovery long-term, the addiction is going to grab you again. What do you think? Right. Oh, absolutely. And I I think that, um, you know, in my experience, when you said that the, um, at first the uh, boundaries were this high, not, uh, you can't see me, I'm I'm pointing above my head and I'm 6'2", really high. Um, (laughs) But then they lowered when there was some regret on the betraying partner's part. And I'm so terribly sorry. I've made a horrible mistake. A phone call came at Christmas after a prayer at the altar of having communion. And this is some divine message here. And um, so, yes, the the guard got lowered down to about the knees. Uh, Like I said, at first, it was very high. I went home immediately and changed the locks on the house. Um, But, yes, I, I agree with you. And... As with any betrayal, you know, we we begin to wonder what was wrong with us. How did I fail as a husband? What was my part? Um, And I know that um, female partners go through some of the same things. Um, So it's more about what I didn't do versus I know uh, women who have been betrayed. uh, They may think about their, their bodies, their appearance, or did I not do enough sexual gymnastics to keep his attention and um, so I think with men, it's more about doing rather than being. It's like, what, what can I do now? And then even there's some, um, you know, I know I could convince her. I know if she would just listen. And so, but, but when that, that, that the little crack there comes back and, you know, well, I've made a terrible mistake, that is... I think something that really contributes, it's one thing that can contribute to the, uh, the guard, the, the boundaries being down. And that's a very vulnerable place to be in. Uh, in my situation, we had therapy for three more months and 
then I'm sorry, we're done, she said, and I, I, it, it was about her safety needs financially. So, and that was an even deeper wound that uh, had been used and then fool me once, shame on me, fool me, I'm sorry, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. So, um, yeah, I agree with that statement about the boundaries. Uh, talking a huge game and then they can be lowered. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so what do you think leads men stay and not just divorce their spouse, and um, especially when that betrayal runs so deep? Right. Um, some I see it's faith. Uh, I hear a lot, God hates divorce. Uh, there's also uh, children. Mm-hmm. So if the if the female part or the female addict is you know, really very ill with their acting out, and uh, you know custody may go to him, and so then he's put in that similar position that a woman would feel, which is. Um, you know, what am I going to do? I've, I've got these kids and I'm going to have primary custody. Or they may seek primary custody um, as part of, I don't know if you call it revenge or <laughs> uh, to, to force empathy on her. I want you to feel the pain I feel. So, um, yeah, I think there's a, a number of reasons. Uh, but the one I see a lot, and I'm I'm not – so I trained at a seminary for my master's degree in counseling, and I, I see people's every face, and I meet everybody where they're at, or no face at all. Um, but I work with a lot of people who are in faith communities, and um, they really don't want to go against God's what they perceive as God's will in their life, despite the fact there is biblical warrant for divorce in their sacred text. So that that's a big one, a really powerful one that I see a lot. Okay. Yeah, and, and it sounds like you're even more connected with the spiritual world, with, you know, religiosity, with our faith communities. Um, what do you think are some pitfalls uh, that that men, betrayed men, need to look out for when, they're making attempts at reconciliation, that, that kind of third phase of partner betrayal. Right. Um, now, here's a similarity I hear, because, again, I work mainly with the male addicts, but uh, it is, um, you know, there's a, enough talking done. I need to see action. I need to see fruits of what you're doing. I need to hear what you're working on. Um, if there's defensiveness evasiveness, um, unwillingness to submit to um, you know, tactics that will help him feel safe. Um, you know, we think of that, help her feel safe, I say a lot. You know, that's the prime directive in this first phase. Um, you don't think about that with big burly guys, you know, straight cisgendered men. Uh, how's he going to feel unsafe? He could be just as emotionally injured. He's just going to stuff it a lot, typically, because that's how we were socialized. Don't wear your emotions on your sleeve. There's something wrong with you. You're effeminate. If you do, 
if you're in touch with your feelings. Um, all that is going to happen. It's just whether or not it's socially acceptable. So I, I did, back to your question, I think it's important that you see action instead of that. And then another pitfall that I experienced, and I know some of my guys that have been through this experienced, is they're willing to entertain the idea, okay, well, let's go to therapy, let's try to do something. And then there's a list of his shortcomings put out already. Well, if we're going to do this, if we're going to go to this trouble, I need you to understand, you know, this is what you need to change about you. And you and I know, Carol, that uh, <laughs> that comes later. We work with mm-hmm. each, you know, the part- partner and the addict in parallel to a point, and then there's reattachment later. But so many mm-hmm. times I get a phone call, and it's like we need marriage counseling. And then I have to do some education that, well, you know, that, that would be conventional wisdom, but that's not what's effective. So um, seeking to do what's effective but uh, watching for things like that. Also, uh, I think women are just as capable of males gaslighting. Um, no, you're crazy. Uh, no, I'm, I'm going out with my friends from work, but then the going out becomes several times a week and uh, not being home when we said we would. I mean, these are all things that guys are capable of too. But, um, yeah, there just has to be – going forward a level of rigorous honesty. And, you know, John Gottman says women have some sort of intuition, uh, you know, sixth sense that, and and men, you should Mm -hmm. listen, (laughs) right? Uh, He couldn't quantify it with all his uh, research, but it's there. Um, Men, listen to your gut. Now, you're going to be in a place where you're traumatized, so you're hypervigilant. Uh, you're angry, you're depressed, um, you flash back, you, I mean, all, all the classic PTSD symptoms. I mean, we do have to control for that, but I really love what, um, I love history. Uh, President Reagan said this back during the end of the Cold War when negotiating with the Russians on the nuclear treaty. He said, trust but verify. And I think that's something that, the men who want this marriage to work, I think that's a really good safety technique is trust, but verify. Mm-hmm. And I need you to be willing to verify. And, and we teach that to the women who've been betrayed too. We tell the guys, look, your phone needs to be unlocked. It needs to not be able to put any apps on it. Um, anytime I'm feeling unsafe, I have the right to look at it. So <clears throat> yes, uh, trust, but verify is definitely a, a technique, and I, pre, I think framing it that way with my male clients, uh, they, they can relate to that. Yeah, that's a very good point, and we do teach that to women. And to your point that you started with, um, you know, part of working through partner betrayal, whether it be male or female, is that the betrayer does the majority of the work. That then increases that sense of safety and also creates an amends, creates a, a restitution, if you will, where he or she is showing, I'm in this to win this and I'll do whatever it takes to repair the trust. Now, that being said, I 
also agree that it's important to put other marital issues on the back burner. You know, I feel like there are some differences between male and female sex and female partners in that, you know, women feel betrayed when they first find out that their husbands are using pornography in most cases. Um, certainly the younger mm-hmm. generation is looking at pornography together. Unfortunately, there are pornography parties in the college dorms. I mean, it is a different world. But for middle-aged people, women do feel um, confused by her husband's pornography use because, again, there's that comparison factor. Um, Do you think men are as likely to feel the same way about their spouses using pornography? I... For many of the reasons you just discussed, um, I, th- I think there's some thrill in the idea that we could watch together or, oh, she's watching that too. And that may even, the husband may be watching pornography as well, and then that relieves him of his guilt. But um, I think that, um, oh, here's one other thing I- I've seen. Uh, I had a case where I had a partner come in and his wife and watching pornography. And then, I mean, he watched some too, but he was very traumatized from seeing the male actors in those videos and he was comparing himself to them. Now, mm-hmm. you know, when, when uh, a woman partner has seen, uh, you know, Oh, well, I don't look like that. I, I don't look as young anymore. Um, my my various parts are not as big. Uh, you know, I don't have those proportions. Um, I have seen some cases too where the men see that, and that traumatizes them. They're like, I am not, um, you know, created the same way to put it lightly as these individuals in the videos. And you know, I had to tell them like, look. Um, these these people are outliers, um, more than a few standard deviations from the mean. The uh, the science will tell us, and um, you, you know it, it. You're fine the way you are, and to help them understand and feel that way too. But there's so much value for a male put onto their sexual prowess, um, their ability mm-hmm. to please their partner. Um, it's like incumbent upon them. And then I think that leads to other thoughts of why, you know, is this, is this, did I not please my partner enough? Was I not good enough for them and what I did or who I am physically? So that, that's a place that's ripe for shame. So, uh, yes, uh, I, I think generally what I've experienced is men are, there's, there's some level, oh, that's okay, that's no problem. But... Mm-hmm. That can lead further down the road, as we know, with uh, you know the progression of addiction. Uh, the bar keeps getting raised, and um, mm-hmm. it's, it's just that there's no attention paid to the fact that um, you know women can be sex addicts too. Uh, so I'm in recovery myself. Pornography, nine years, four months this week, and um, when I was going constantly to meetings, um, 
when I was in graduate school, I went to one meeting that met at noon, noon, Monday through Friday, and I went every day because I had that time and it was nearby. Out of all those meetings, and it must have been hundreds of them, I saw like two, two or three of those times there were women in the meeting. And it was an open meeting as far as men women. Mm-hmm. To me, I, right. I always said a woman, a woman at an open SAA meeting is like a unicorn. Maybe that's just the meeting I was at. But then I ask, uh, I, I get concerns from the betrayed spouses when it's the wife. She's like, I don't want him going to an open meeting. I want him going to a men-only meeting. And I'm like, look, if that's the only option, I, I'll tell you. They're, maybe they're starting to go more. But uh, historically, they're like a unicorn. So I think that's how we yeah. look at women's sex addicts. I agree. Fortunately, now, because I work with more heterosexuals, as, as you know, I get the partners that say, I don't want my husband in the same room as a female sex addict. It's not safe for them, and it's not safe for me. Mm-hmm. I, I do encourage male and female-only meetings uh, for everybody's safety. Uh, and I do that specifically more for the spouse than the actual addict. Now, Scott, I'm going to, I want my listening audience to know how they can get a hold of you because you have a specialization and you've got a passion for this. I want my listening audience to know that if you want to talk to Scott, you can either email him at scott at scottpeacock.com or go to his website, which is www.scottpeacock.com. It is that simple. He works out of Houston, Texas, and I know he would be happy to help you in any way possible. We've got one minute left. Anything else that you want to bestow upon our listening audience today? Sure. Um, Betrayal is such a very, very dark thing. Um, I I, I listened to a, a podcast earlier, and he was talking about betrayal and Dante's Inferno. Uh, some of us may have been forced to read that in college or high school, but um, the the lowest ring of hell, the ninth circle of hell in this story is about betrayal. And there were four mm-hmm. kinds, uh, uh, family ties, uh, community ties, betrayal of guests, and betrayal of lords. And, you know, in this case, this is sort of a religious allegory, so we know who – we're talking about betrayal of God, but betrayal of family ties. This is, it, it's so, and, and it's described down there as cold and the people who did it are frozen. It's like, unless they get help, that ice isn't going to melt. Their hearts are not going to come back from being turned to stone. It, it's a very dark place to find yourself. But what I want to say is, um, you can find the way back. And that's kind of my purpose is I say, I help people find the way back. Like, like Virgil was the guide uh, to Dante in the Inferno. Um, <laughs> uh, and I hope more people will demand these services and uh, more therapists and, and properly trained helping professionals of different kinds, coaches and clergy will become educated and there'll be more to help. I agree, and you said that so well, and so we want to remind you, 
go to the resources where people have been trained in this because you'll expedite your help and you won't experience trauma treatment. Scott Peacock, thank you so much, and I want to have you back on the show again. Uh, you were so easy to understand, so articulate, and you've been there, done that. And for your vulnerability, I thank you. You have a good day. Thank you, Carol. Take care. Bye. All right. You too. Bye-bye. So, obviously, Scott knows what he's talking about, and I hope that you will um, really understand that there are people out there that can help you no matter what your situation. Hey, I'm Carol the Coach, and you know what I say. There's only going to be one of you at all times. Fearlessly have the courage to be yourself. We'll see you next week with Ken Adams, who's going to be talking about um, children, adult children of sex addicts and his new book, which is amazing. We'll see you next week.